Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I just can't get over losing you. Static selector. So right. Yeah. Check it out. Eight studio albums, many collaborations, many mixtapes, and a list of incredible artists under his collaboration belt. There seems to be no stopping the creativity of my next guest. He's about to drop his ninth studio album, The Balancing Act. He's at a selector, and I want to welcome him to the library rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Reinekel. Thank you so much for being here, man. Yeah. I want to tell him to talk about the uh, your debut album with uh, Spell My Name Right, and you had uh, DJ Khaled on uh, do a make-a-movie uh, interlude, and he talked about the idea of... Um, breaking records and how uh, DJs don't do that anymore. So I want to ask you, like, what was that for you in hindsight? Like, what was that record that you, you think you took a real chance on you broke that, uh, in hindsight was a, you did take a big chance on, but also kind of helped change the trajectory of your career. I don't know if it was one particular song, but, um, definitely, definitely artists that I've broken that, um, you know, ended up being the, the, the foundation for my career, really like from, from the terms to the action Bronsons to the Mac Millers to the Gibbs to the Joey's like a lot of artists that I was there before anyone else, like first one to bring them on the radio, all that. So that's definitely part of the foundation. All right. Nice. Uh, how, how do you, how did you like, I mean, it's, I feel like it's so tough not to get caught up in, um, uh, in going with what's popular, I guess at the time, you know, whatever's on commercial radio, especially since you, you have a radio background. Uh, what what would you initially look for in an artist that kind of you know knew that this was a good time to to you could you could break them in or you could uh, take that chance with them? Just the qualities that I grew up you know being a fan of the 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 Nazis and the Days and the Bigs like all the artists I work with have something unique about them and um, I just think I have the ear for that like I'm not looking for the next I'm not looking for the next you know fifteen minutes of fame rapper I'm looking for someone that's going to have a longevity in a career and really have a mainstay power. Nice. On the debut album, on uh, the No Mistakes Allowed track, uh, you have, you know, you have a slew of DJs, you know, uh, Dougie Fresh, Tony Touch, Scram Jones, and so many others. Uh, for you, what was the... I really appreciate that because there, there's this importance, obviously, to represent the beatbox and the art of the DJ. Kind of what, for you, what's the importance of those two, those art forms? I mean, the DJ is the the DJ is hip hop. So, you know, through the years, the roles have changed and everything and the way people look at things, but it's always important to, to hold the DJ first. And, um, you know, I always represent that. Mm. Um, on the track, uh, hardcore, which, uh, features, uh, Rex and, and, and terminology, uh, uh, Rex, I think, uh, terminology is something where he goes, we owe it to big, we owe it to Pac, we owe it to proof. Um, 
uh, how so with the, with those lyrics you kind of know how those artists have impacted terminology but for you how did those three artists kind of impact you I mean that's all I listened to growing up was Biggie and Pac and then you know um, rest in peace proof I, I had a couple of experiences with him personally and um, he had a great energy man he was really like the uh, he was like the poster child for Detroit and, and that whole scene and just what he did with M and all that but Proof was a, was a ill dude, man. He brought, he, you know, he brightened up the room when he walked in. You know, you obviously worked with other, uh, other, uh, you know, greats and you've worked with uh, the late uh, Mac Miller and, and Sean Price. Uh, when did you first hear them, and what really stood out to you as they were doing? I mean, I heard Helter Skelter the first time when they dropped La Fleur, La Flower, Scotia, and then, um, you know, I was always a boot camp click fan from the beginning. Um, Mac Miller, the first time I heard him was uh, Kool-Aid and Frozen Pizza, and I reached out to um, my man Artie, who was one of the owners of Rostrum Records, and I remember I was like, yo, I don't want what happened with, with Wiz to happen again because I kind of fronted on Wiz at first. And, you know, I was keeping it a buck. Like, I wasn't really feeling him at first. And then he kind of found his sound and found his way. And, I, you know, I kind of regretted. I had a couple opportunities to work with him really early that I passed on. And I told him I wasn't going to do the same thing with Mac. So, you know, Mac came up. You know, Mac had never even been in New York before. He came up. It was the day before his 18th birthday. Came up to my radio show, and the next day he drove back to Pittsburgh, and then drove back again to come to the studio. So, Mac was on his shit. <laughs> That's like a six-hour drive <laughs> or more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think for me the most incredible thing—I mean, obviously Mac Miller being an incredible artist—but what, what was also incredible is that when he did pass, the amount of people, not just from like the quote-unquote commercial world, but from like the underground world, that that just like talked about how much they impacted. He impacted them. Um, you know your, your your production has always always stands out with all your albums and 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 there's this uh, on this the track uh, carry on which features Joey Badass and Freddie Gibbs um uh off what goes around there's these horns throughout the entire track how, how, how what was the thinking process going into using these horns and, and how did you know that these two artists would be perfect for for this this track it was actually just like a a quick beat i put together and um one night we were at Joey Badass's uh, old crib in Bedside, and we were in the basement. He was just like freestyling on songs, and he like he kind of just like freestyled that verse, and I really liked the way it came out. So I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna send it to Gibbs," and just the song came together. But at first, it, like, there was no direction for it at first. Mm. Is that? I mean, is that for you? I mean, you when you're when you're when you are working with an artist, and I mean, are you creating creating the beast first, or are you waiting for for the artist to kind of agree to? to be on the track before you create anything nah I'm, I just sit there and make beats man. Like, it's, not, <laughs> it's not no intricate process and I just sit there and try to knock out as many as I can when I'm in the studio because especially nowadays I'm not in the studio as much as I used to be right uh, yeah and you mentioned I mean you're you're not just uh, you know creating albums and producing albums you also you you have a radio background and terrestrial radio but you also have a you know you're on Shade 45 uh, Sirius XM um, I know this is a discussion a lot that people talk about the advantage of of uh, serious radio or you know satellite radio versus ter- terrestrial radio. But what are you kind of finding that is kind of the key advantages of being on 
uh, satellite radio that you could not get anywhere at terrestrial radio. I mean, it's a luxury to be able to play 30 versions and to be able to say whatever you want. <laughs> That's different. And then, um, you know, I don't have no playlist. I don't have the, the program director, Ron Mills, is, is, uh, is dope, man. He, you know, he lets everybody do what they do. That's why we're on them in the first place is because we, every DJ on the station has their own brand. So it's like they trust us to do what we do and there's no rules. Terrestrial radio is like, especially now it's worse than ever, but I, I, I was always kind of lucky when I was on FM radio too, though, because the program directors never really bugged out too bad on me. Like they let me do what I wanted. I knew the rules. Usually you got to play like a, a record off a list and then you can play, you know, you can play two songs in rotation and then play a, you know, a record that you pick. There's different rules to different stations. Right. right. But serious, we have none of those rules. Do you see at all? I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if you're still in touch with the terrestrial radio world, but do you see any all at all, like uh, maybe program directors kind of backing off a little bit on DJs and kind of, kind of control what they do? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Uh, I was listening to this uh, interview you did and you, you, you talked about, um, having uh jay-z's and nas's uh black republican the record uh like six months prior to it dropped and i don't want to ask you about the story about how when it leaked and stuff like that but what what i thought was interesting is that you talked about um how you were able to use it as leverage uh to get other exclusives from labels and i was just curious how does that how does that work exactly like what does that mean that like you have a record early so why would a record label i think be more inclined to give you more exclusives early because it was a different, it was a different era back then, and mixtapes were everything. Like the streets, if, if people were going crazy over a song on a mixtape, and it was a good look for the album, and it was, it was, you know, foreshadowing the album. So, when a situation like that, it's like having a Jay Z Nas record. I was going on the labels, and like artists were even doing exclusives for the tape because they knew how many people were going to be listening to that tape because that exclusive. So, mm. like they give us the whole clips album. They, all, we got all kinds of shit for that, and um. I think every song on the mixtape was exclusive, actually. So we killed it with that one. Um, me and Big Mike. How, how did I, what, for you? What was like kind of the the, the highlight of creating this? Uh, I mean, you know, the big thing was the Nas the Nas mixtape for you was the the big highlight off of that. Uh, which one, the prophecy one? Yeah, sorry. I mean, it was just a crazy story how it happened because I went from getting calls telling me that Nas wasn't happy with me because I put, you know, because of that tape. And then when I finally got on the phone with his manager, who's actually my manager now, which is funny, Mike Brinkley, shout out to Mike. Um, when I got on the phone with him, I was expecting to get, you know, cursed out. But instead he was like, yo, Nas wants you to do his actual mixtape now. So it really worked out for me in a bunch of ways. Was that, I mean, for you, was that the, it, it seems like you, you're really taking kind of a uh, with a with a mixtape like that. I mean, if Nas is if Nas is really mad at you, then that could like I, you know I would imagine make or break your career type stuff. Um, was that kind of your... that's part of the history though? Like you okay. know, Biggie had a Biggie had a hit out on Who Kid, like Clue. All these guys have crazy stories. I heard that Big Pun like kidnapped Who Kid one time. Like it's all uh, part of the mixtape game, you know. Right, right, got you. Um, you know, obviously, we're talking in the middle of uh, uh, you know, whatever month we are in this uh, you know, twenty twenty pandemic, and I and I appreciate that on IG you you reached out to people to share their inspirational stories of getting through this year. Um, yeah. why did you want to hear those stories? But also, what what have been kind of the most inspirational stories so far? I mean, it's therapeutic for everybody. It's good to hear, you know, everybody thinks they got it the worst and they're, they're so bad off. But then you hear about one of the kids that sent me a story. Uh, he he has a, 
I believe multiple sclerosis and he can't, can't walk. He can't talk right. Like, and he said a story about how he's been going to the gym and he was lazy in the beginning of 2020. He realized he had to focus and all this. And this is a kid that wasn't even supposed to get to this age. And, you know, people are here complaining because they can't buy a new Gucci belt. It's like, it's crazy. So, you know, it's always good to hear someone else's, uh, motivation. That's dope. Uh, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, I think you talk about hip hop, you talk about, um, maturity and people, you know, obviously growing up and becoming adults. And then we turn to your, your new album, the balancing act. And you look at the cover, the cover art, which is a pretty incredible thing. It's you holding your daughter, but it's also, you have a piece of vinyl in the other hand, you're wearing headphones. So trying to obviously show us the, the balancing act of what you do with family and, and your work. Um, what for you i mean i think i said it with the question but what what does the art cover art mean to you and how does this kind of support the the overall concept with the album i mean it's just what you said it's it's balancing <laughs> being a dad being um at this point in time you know i'm homeschooling her on on three days a week like and being a single dad is new to me too so it's a it's a real crazy process and um you know when i'm with her I have her half the week and when I'm with her, it's like, that's it. I'm not, I don't really do no music stuff when I'm with her. So, well, she loves going to the studio and she's on the album. She had a blast making it, but, um, like for the most part, I, I stay, at, you know, away from the music side of things when I'm with her. So half the week, I'm, um, it's all madness, you know, the partying and the music and the, all, everything that comes with that. And then the other half a week, I'm going to bed at 9 PM. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm also uh, home with two kids and doing the remote learning thing for you as well. Just real quick, what's has been the toughest part about remote learning? Dealing with the dealing with the other parents, man. There's some really bad people out there. Like the background, like the the classes, like some of the stuff that we hear, and like people are just really like, I don't know, man. Right. No, I, yeah. Like like I said, people are going through it, and I get that. But you know, to be so selfish and ignorant towards other kids is crazy just yeah. the shit i hear daily is just insane i don't even want to have her in school no more i might pull her out it's only right. kindergarten and it's like kindergarten is not mandatory anyway so we can start fresh next year but right now i'm losing my mind doing that shit <laughs> i agreed agreed um you know i, I mentioned the uh on the cover the, the, there's a piece of vinyl in your hand um you know what? It, what is kind of what is your go-to vinyl i mean not not when you're creating a record but kind of like you know to whatever just to, like you need to listen to something where what are you going to usually jazz records maybe some like Roy Ayers or like um, Ahmad Jamal like I listen to a lot of jazz your the list of artists on the balancing act is you know is impeccable you have you know Black Thought Nas Joey Badass Killer Mike Two Chains Conway Method Styles P Jada Benny you know terminology and so many more are there ever has there ever been a time where a collaboration has never worked, not because, you know, just two, two people being hard headed or, you know, but more like there's a certain beat you want the artist to work on or be perfect on. And it's just not working for him or her. And you just, it just doesn't work. Not really. Um, I usually come to an agreement. Like we, we come to agreement on what song it's going to be. And not really like there was, a, um, on this album, the only thing that didn't really work out is us. I had a YG and Corday to the song. And he uh, he sent me a voice note of him rapping it, and he never got to like record it in time, so it didn't make the album. But mm. that's the only situation that really that something like that happened. It always goes pretty smooth. 
Um, you know, I, I mentioned terminology and I, and I, I, I reached out to term to kind of say, Hey, I'm interviewing static. Do you have any questions you would ask him? And he came up with a couple of questions. And one of them is, uh, what is your favorite beat that you've ever created? And then the other one is, uh, what's your favorite, uh, terminology collaboration you've ever done? Uh, I mean, it's hard to say what beat, um, I like legendary a lot. Joey badass featuring J Cole. Um, I love the Nas record, uh, Lost Freestyle. My favorite joint I've done with Term is probably um, there's this record called First Love we got where I'm talking about my daughter, he's talking about his kids, and it's just it's a special record to me. So, I mean, yeah, Term is you know he's been on the the podcast and he's obviously an incredible artist. How, how do you and you guys work have worked together for so long? How do you guys? How do you think you continue? Why do you think the, the working relationship is so great in terms of the, the artistic relationship, but also uh, how do you guys keep kind of pushing each other to to just just do kind of better, do great things? It was always like a friendly competition, really, because we're both from the same place and uh, we were born in the same hospital in the same year. Like, we you know, we didn't meet till we were 16 years old, but it was always just kind of a competition. And, mm. um, you know, to push each other and see what we could do. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. There's nobody else that has really been, um, running next to me the whole time like that. Like even my best friends, like gave up a while ago. Like I, I had a couple of kids I grew up with that um, put out an album and then they kind of just fell back to do the dad life and all that. And that's cool. But I, I'm, I'm not done. You know what I mean? I still got yeah. a lot more. Shit to do. Nice. Uh, you know, uh, Black Thought is on the the first record of the album called The Healing. Um, why is Black Thought the, the the quote unquote table setter for this album? I mean, I've been very blessed through the years to get some of his best verses ever, and um, with this album, it's like it just felt right. The way he sets it off is very, you know, it's the temperature that's out there right now, and what he's talking about, and just a very relevant verse that he did. And he, you know, it's it's much more than just saying a verse. It's it's like I think it's like thirty two bars, but he went in. Um, obviously he always does but he um he got some real dope quotables on this show i was just like you know what i gotta start we, we actually got in an argument about it and um at the end of the day he let me use it but he wanted well me and him are doing a project and he wanted to use it on there what's the uh is there a project that you guys have already started or just more in the more talking about uh, more uh the, i guess more in the works he picked out about six weeks so far i don't know what he has or hasn't recorded uh, you know, I mentioned that Black Thought is on the healing, which is the table set over the album. But the the first track that has been released to the the public, the single, is uh, "Keep It Moving" with Nas, Joey Badass, and Gary Clark Jr. So, uh, why why kind of this track? Why is this track the the single for the album? It was just full circle for me, like to connect Joey and Nas, two different generations. And um, you know, I signed the Nas for this album. It's on Nas Appeal. I just felt it was it was bringing the best of both worlds together, and obviously Joey's been on all my albums since I met him. Um, it was just important to me to, to do that and hold down. Uh, people have been talking about hearing Joey and Nas together for so long, and it never happened. All right. So we actually met up. We met in uh, L.A. We had like a dinner, and um, you know we talked about the record. This is back in January. Mm. It, it didn't get done till. Uh, so September because of everything that happened this year. So I'm just, I had to lead the album off with that record though, because you know, it was just people, people kind of seen it coming. Like, cause the press release from when I signed the master deal was a picture of me, Joey and Oz. Right. right. 
it was just important to me for that to be the first song. That's dope. Uh, you mentioned the delay of, uh, you know, between Nas and Joey meeting and, and, and actually getting the track done. And, and I think it, uh, kind of works per- you think about 2020 being a year that people just would want to forget and just hopefully 2021 would be better and then you have a track called America is Cancelled which features terminologies Styles P and Jada Kiss well, can you just talk about what this track means and what is it what is it re- referencing in terms of America is Cancelled well I mean we're in, we're in like a cancel culture right now and everybody you, you walk the wrong way on the sidewalk America cancels you and uh Tom was just basically saying, like, now when the whole country's canceled, how trash people have been behaving and voting and all this shit. And, you know, the song has some touchy subjects on it. Um, I, I can't wait for people to hear that. The term saying some crazy shit on there and Shader Kirk and Styles bodied it. Um, you know, it, it's like the world, America, like, played itself, man. Like, the way it's just a very uh, selfish nation, man. And now it's like the rest of the world sees that. And uh, it just kind of flipped on us. Like at one point we were looked at the most as like the most progressive nation. And like, you know, it's the center of a lot of the world's culture and shit. And then now it's like people are just laughing at us. So America's canceled. Are you seeing that more? I mean, in terms of, in terms of a hip hop artist speaking out a kind of about this canceled, I mean, you know, do you see more America, uh, artists being more vocal about what's going on around them than what they used to do. Yeah. I mean, hip hop grew up and it's like, it's about time. It's like the shit that we used to like hearing about and making music about is, is not that fun anymore. Like can't, you can't sell drugs and shoot people for your whole life, man. You gotta like start addressing the problems and like, you know, even the most gangster rappers in the world have more like enlightened music now. Right, that's true. Um, the final track of the album is Immortal, which uh, features uh, Harley Harrell and uh, Bobby Sessions. Uh, what, 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 what can we? What, what, what can you tell us about this album? Of oh, this track, and also why is this the final track of the album? Well, the reason it says featuring Harley Harrell, she only says one word of the song, but after the song ends, five seconds later, she got her own secret song. So that's why I put that on there. But yeah, that's my dog. Um, Bobby Sessions did it. Man, probably like that song's like two years old now. I've been sitting on it, and one night when I was finishing the album, I just came across it, and I was like, "Nah, this is a perfect way to end the album." Because the song right before it is called "Way Up," and it's about it's about Mac Miller and Sean Price and Prodigy and Pimp C and like everybody we lost. So I thought it was cool to end the album on a mortal, like basically saying like that they live on forever, you know. Mm-hmm, that's dope. Uh, so looking back at the project, kind of what's the what was your favorite aspect of uh, creating this album? I feel like uh, more accomplished finishing this album than any other album because of just what's going on in the world. And like getting it done was just at times very uh, nerve wracking. Like the, the quarantine and the, everything going on in the world just made everything harder to get done. But at the end of the day, there's some silver linings in there because certain songs in the album wouldn't even happen if we weren't going through this. And there's certain moments in the album that really timestamp this moment in time. And um, hopefully people look back on it and it brings them you know, it brings them the right memories. I don't know. The song with Jack Harlow, he's really, he talks about everything going on right now and what he wishes he could do this year and how the pandemic stopped him. And I, like, he tells a story on it that really hit me a certain way when I heard it mm. about when Mac Miller died. So it's just like, there's a lot of moments on that that wouldn't be happening if, if it wasn't for, you know, COVID shit. I, just before I let you go, I, I, do you, 
do you give the artist a kind of a, a concept or direction of where you want to go with the album or do you kind of just let them do what they do sometimes but that with that track particularly no i had sent him a couple of beats and he he wasn't really feeling the first couple and then the one he picked he was like yeah i'm gonna use this and then like a month or two went by and i was like bro you still gonna get on it and he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i was like all right and I wasn't sure if he was gonna. And then he, when he sent me the record, I was just like, wow. Like he put, he put a lot more thought and effort into the record than I thought he was gonna. And I was really mm-hmm. impressed by that. That's dope. Uh, new album's coming out, The Balancing Act, uh, Static Selector. It's a, it's an honor to have you on the Library Rap, the hip hop interviews with Tim Monica. I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much. Well, good no peace. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.